Well, welcome everyone this morning. Glad you could make it here today with us, celebrate and worship together. Uh, Let's all stand together and say the Apostles' Creed. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Great to have you all with us. Happy New Year, everybody. Glad you could make it. For those of you who came to join us this morning, and welcome to those of you online, and welcome to those of you in Appleton and Stevens Point as well. Glad you made it with us today. If you're here today with a massive headache, well done. Congratulations, you came to the right place. So, and uh, for those of you who don't have a headache, we're glad you're here too without one. We're not going to talk about New Year's resolutions this morning, so don't worry. Uh, I don't believe in New Year's resolutions anyway, never have. Resolution comes from the word resolute, uh, which comes from resolve, which to me means to re-solve a problem, and solving any problem a second time means I didn't really have it solved in the first place, which is where most resolutions end up unsolved and unresolved. However, there is a way out of the resolution cycle. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. And uh, I want to go to the story of how Moses received the Ten Commandments uh, over in the book of uh, Exodus, and we're going to see what happens there. So let's turn to Exodus chapter 19, uh, just prior to the receiving the law. And on the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt. So you remember that God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt through a series of incredible miracles and brought them out into the wilderness of Sinai on their way to the promised land. And so here they are, three months out, and they're out in this place, this desert place. And on that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. And after they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain. And then from there, he spent some time with God in that place, and then he was sent back down to the people. And so, verse 7, Moses went back, and he summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, we will do everything the Lord has said. And so Moses brought that answer that they gave back to the Lord, went back to the Lord with it. Uh, Again, we're in chapter 19 of Exodus, then we fast forward to verse 16. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. 
everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. They're already trembling and they're not even at the foot of the mountain. And Moses leads them out. Let's go to the foot of the mountain to get a better look. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. This was not a volcano, by the way. And I did some research this week, and I found out, for those of you who are skeptics, that Mount Sinai never was a volcano. So there. <laughs> and... Uh, the, the, the smoke was billowing up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. So you have the people there trembling violently, and I would be too because the mountain was trembling violently at the same time. Have you ever been around a trembling mountain? As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke. And the voice of God answered him. And so Moses was standing at the base of Mount Sinai with the people. Everybody's trembling because the mountain itself was trembling. Plus the atmosphere is filled with this massive sound of this trumpet out of heaven. And you've got smoke and fire on the mountain. And then this happens. Verse 20. The Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai called Moses to the top of the mountain. And so Moses went up and the Lord said to him, go down and warn the people so they do not force their way through to see the Lord and many of them perish, as if any of them was going to be tempted to go up into that. And Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai because you yourself warned us because there had already been one warning. Don't let them come up here. And so they built barriers around the base of the mountain so they couldn't come through anyway. Put, and so you said, you told us, put these limits around the mountain and set it apart as holy. So we did. And the Lord replied, go down and bring Aaron up with you. But the priests and the people must not force their way through to come up to the Lord or he will break out against them. And so Moses went down to the people and told them again. Okay, so immediately after this conversation between Moses and God... The Bible says the Ten Commandments were given, which appear in the next chapter, Exodus 20. It does not say that they were given right there as Moses and the people stood before God, or it doesn't say whether it happened there or whether it happened after Moses went back up to the mountain. It's just not clear on that. Nevertheless, verse 18, when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself, we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. <laughs> I mean, this just totally freaked them out. And they're like, don't ever let this happen again. <laughs> you just, you talk to us, you can go talk to God, but then you bring it back to us and we'll just believe and accept what you say. Okay, so um, Moses said to the people, verse 20, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. That would be a good reminder. If I had seen God that way at the mountain and the whole mountain was shaking, that would be a good reminder to me, don't sin anymore, okay? And he's just making sure. So the fear of the Lord is with you to keep you from sinning. Verse 21, the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. And at this point, Moses was in the cloud for the next six days. Hearing from God, writing down what he was hearing from God. These were the laws that would become the constitution for the people of God. 
Uh, and they came in great detail at this point. There's a lot of detail. Commands and ordinances that Pastor Mark has already talked to us about. You know, don't boil a lamb in its mother's milk. And be sure to make the altar a sacrifice out of uncut stones. Never let a hammer or chisel uh, touch any of the stones that you make the altar out of. And uh, what you do when a child curses his mom and dad and the punishment that goes with that. And what do you do if a, a bull gores a man or a woman. I mean, all these details. Moses is up there taking dictation. He's writing it down as fast as it's coming. And it goes on and on. Then in verse tw- uh, chapter 23, verse 13, God paused. And he reminded Moses, be careful to do everything I am saying to you. And then this, ver- uh, chapter 24, fast forward again. Uh, Verse 3, when Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws, they responded with one voice, everything the Lord has said, we will do. Moses then wrote down everything the Lord had said. And they responded, uh, verse 7, skip ahead, everything, we will do everything the Lord has said, we will obey. So this is the third time in a row that the entire nation swore to do this written in black and white, or in stone later on, they agreed wholeheartedly to the terms of this holy contract. Then God had Moses come back up the mountain because all of this had to be written down in stone by God himself. And so first Moses wrote it down, and then God wrote it down. Come up to me, he said, on the mountain, and stay here, I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and commandments I have written for their instruction. And then Moses set out with Joshua, his aide, and Moses went up on the mountain of God, and he said to the elders, wait here for us. You guys wait back until we come back. Aaron and her are with you. They're in charge. Anybody that has a dispute, you just go to them. Talk it out with them. We're going to be gone for a while. And there they waited. So Moses takes Joshua with him. They went back up the mountain in order to get the tablets of stone from God. Aaron and the elders stayed behind. Moses and Joshua were on the mountain of God for 40 days and 40 nights. And from chapters 25 to 31 in Exodus, there are more details conveyed to us and to Moses from God, all of it written by the finger of God on these tablets of stone. 40 days he was there. During that time that he was on the mountain, the people grew impatient for Moses to return. So we fast forward to chapter 32 of Exodus. And when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. Because as for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt... We don't know what has happened to him. It's been 40 days, plenty time. Aaron answered them, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, your daughters are wearing, bring them to me. And so all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. And he took what they handed him and made it into an idol, cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. And then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt course it wasn't true but nevertheless this is what they were presented by Aaron and it is here that we begin to see man's limitless capacity 
to forget and to forego the commands of God. We forget so fast and we, and we quickly start to shift the blame, you know, to other people or something in order to justify doing what is truly in our hearts. It's everybody else's fault. So Aaron, the people are saying to Aaron, you know, this fellow, this fellow Moses, has disappeared. You know, the one who brought us up out of Egypt, and he's, he's gone. It's, it's his fault. What are we going to do now? Better get busy. Better make a new God for us, Aaron, because we've got to hear we're out here stranded. We don't know where to go, what to do. Come on. And then the people had a party to celebrate their newfound freedom. There was an edge to the celebration. We're going to do this in spite of what Moses told us. Because as you can see, he's abandoned us out in this wilderness. And he hasn't seen us, and we haven't seen him in 40 days. Forget this. Forget this, Moses. We're not doing this anymore. Can you imagine what a festival like that would have looked like? Remember, there were three to six million people wandering around the desert today uh, in those days, gathered there at the, mount, at the foot of Mount Sinai. That's a lot of people. The size of this festival was like, unlike anything that you and I have ever seen. It was like Mardi Gras and Carnival all on steroids, just all thrown together. It was huge. Of course, God saw this, and immediately he let Moses know what was going on. And Moses now had the, the tablets. He now had the completed commandments of God, all the law written on these tablets, finger of God, ready to go back down to the camp. And the Lord says to him, Exodus 32, uh, go down, go down, because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them. And quick meaning less than 40 days. They had forgotten everything that had been written down in the law. They have made themselves an idol. It has been cast in the shape of a calf. And so Moses went down. And when he got to the base of Mount Sinai, he grew so angry that he threw the stone tablets down and they broke into pieces. He had the golden calf melted down and then ground into powder. And then he put the powder in water and he made the children of Israel, three million of them, drink that water with all these gold flecks in it. He's, he was so mad. And then came one of the most bizarre conversations in the whole Bible. And this conversation went on between Moses and his brother Aaron the priest. Moses said to Aaron, verse 21, what did these people do to you that you led them into such great sin? Do not be angry, my Lord, Aaron answered. You know how prone these people are to evil. They said to me, make us gods who will go up before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. He's gone. So I told them, whoever has any gold jewelry... Take it off. And they gave it to me. And I threw it into the fire. And out came this calf. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I am not reading a new translation to you. That is not my interpretation. 
That is literally the, the, the Hebrew translation there. Out came this calf. It's not my fault. Why are you mad at me, Moses? It's not my fault. You know how prone these people are to evil. It's not my fault. Why are you mad at me? Why are you all ticked off with me? You've been gone for 40 days. What was I supposed to do? Why did you leave me in charge of this bunch of people anyway? You didn't call. You didn't text. You didn't email. I've heard nothing. It's not my fault. It's not my responsibility. You knew that, but you went ahead anyway. Now, you would think that over thousands of years, the tempter, Satan, would have to make up some new tricks. Uh, You'd think that after all this time, you know, you and I would get wise to his ways and that he'd have to work that much harder to tempt us because we figured him out a long time ago, right? You might think that, but that is not the case. Any good fisherman knows, once you find the right bait and you continue to catch fish every year on that same bait, you'd be foolish to change. I fished for walleye uh, for several years when we lived in Oshkosh. And uh, I was taught uh, that in the spring, when the walleyes are spawning in the Fox River system, you use minnows for bait. You jig them up and down off the bottom of the river, and every year it worked. You never had to change your strategy. You go back to the same spot at the same time with the same rig and the same bait, and you use the same method, and year to year, you always catch fish. Then, at a certain time, the tastes and the appetites of the walleye change. For those of you who don't fish, a walleye is a fish. Most Wisconsin people know that, but if you're not from Wisconsin, okay, so the tastes of the walleye would change, and they didn't want minnows anymore, so we would change over to these ugly black leeches, and we moved out onto Lake Winnebago because the fish were no longer in the river, and instead of the river, sure enough, we were out there with our leeches, and we caught fish every year, like clockwork. Then after the first rain of the season, they didn't want leeches anymore, they wanted night crawlers, worms. And it wouldn't matter how many leeches or minnows you threw out there, they were not going to bite because they wanted night crawlers. They were not interested in anything else. And it was, you know, it, it was always the same thing, you guys. It was always the same thing year to year. Why change? The same thing always worked. Why get fancy? Why waste time, money, effort using a bait that we knew would never work? It doesn't make sense, so we never do it. Exactly. You give them what they want, and you will catch fish. And it is the very same thing with us and with temptation. Satan uses the same bait today that he's always used. And as we start this year, I think that uh, this is a great reminder. Do you want a different 2017. Are you wishing for a greater peace of mind in 2017? 
here's a good place to start. You start by stopping the blame game. At some point, I have to begin to say, I am 100% responsible for how I act, think, and speak. Paul the Apostle was well aware of human weakness. He knew how Satan plays on human weakness. And he said basically the same thing in Corinthians in this warning. 1 Corinthians 10. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. Okay, we're speaking of the children of Israel, which we opened up with this morning in Exodus. They were all together, doing all this together. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food, drank the same spiritual drink. They drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. That rock was Christ. Now these things occurred as examples. Why? To keep us today from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry, which is what they did in worshiping the golden calf. We should not commit sexual immorality, as some of them did, and in one day, 23,000 of them died, and then it goes on. Verse 11, these things happened to them as examples, again, that word, and they were written down as warnings for us. Examples, warnings. The Old Testament being brought into the New Testament and Paul's saying, there's no difference. These things are there for our instruction on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common, normal to all mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted or tested beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, not if you are tempted... When you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. In other words, every one of the members in this traveling Israelite community had the same fight against temptation as the next guy. They were all prone to sin. They were all prone to weakness. Nobody was singled out for more testing or temptation than the next guy. It was all the same. And the result of their testing in the wilderness stands as, a, as an example to us, a warning to us. Every temptation, every one of them, is common to mankind. But for the believer, also every temptation is accompanied with an escape plan. You will not be tempted to sin in a manner that is more than you can handle, and that's God's promise. How do we know this? Because of what Paul said, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. So, two things for us to remember in 2017. You will be tempted. And second, God will provide a way out. Here's how. First, the blaming has to stop at some point. It is unfortunate that blaming is hardwired into us from birth. It's difficult to break that cycle. I know, I'm guilty. It started with Adam and Eve. They were placed in perfection and given one command. You only got to do one thing. All of this is yours. All of this. There's just the one thing I don't want you to do. Don't eat that fruit. 
on that particular tree. Okay, so they got the command. It's all clear cut. Everything's in front of them. They got everything they need. Then the serpent comes and tempted them in three ways. Three ways. He enhanced the beauty of the fruit in their eyes. He drew them in with their eyes. He made it look more beautiful than it really was. And then he increased their desire to taste the fruit through a trick of the imagination. So he was getting to their taste buds here, okay? Finally, he argued to their mind that in eating from this tree, they would become as wise as God. Three temptations. Lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, arrogance. Eve ate, then Adam ate, and then God showed up. And in Genesis chapter 3, we read this. The Lord God called to the man, where are you? Adam answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman who you put here with me, she gave me the fruit from the tree and I ate it. And so started the blame game. The woman, she gave me some fruit from the tree. So first, Adam blamed the woman. Then next, you hear, the woman you gave me, you put her here with me, as if to say, if you hadn't put her here, none of this would have happened. It's your fault. Then you fast forward just a little bit to read about Aaron and Moses, that conversation that we talked about earlier in Exodus. And he says, here's his excuse to Moses. Do not be angry, my Lord Moses. You know how prone these people, these nasty, idolatrous people, you know how prone they are to evil. And they said to me, Make us gods who will go before us. You see? Blaming the people. So don't buy into that game. That's the first step. Don't blame. At some point, I've got to own up to my responsibility. I've got to say to myself and to God, I am 100% responsible. Next, understand the nature of sin. Listen to John the Apostle, his warning to us in his first epistle. Uh, 1 John 2, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. Three things. The lust of the flesh, the pride of life, uh, the, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Three things. All of sin, the whole body of sin that the world has ever known, corralled into these three categories. Flesh, eyes, pride. Appetite, appearance, arrogance. Remember what we saw about fishing? Why change the bait? Why change tactics 
when the same tricks are successful over and over again. Understanding the nature of sin is the very same thing. Satan has never had to change tactics to lure us away from God. He used it with Adam. He tried using it with Jesus in the wilderness because there were three temptations to Jesus in the wilderness, same categories, flesh, eyes, pride. And Adam realized that in eating the fruit, he would become wise like God. The pride of life, the lust of the flesh, tasting the fruit, seeing the fruit, the, the, the lust of the eyes. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, pride of life. And then John tells us about it right at the end of the Bible. These are the same tricks that Satan uses on us today. Nothing has changed. Paul said, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common. Common meaning one of those three things to man. In other words, we all get hit with the same three. They are common. They are an experience common to every human being. You're no different, no better, no worse. It's just that's the way Satan does his work. So understand these two things. Number one, that we have a tendency to blame. And number two, that all sin and temptation fall into these three areas, I, flesh, pride, I, flesh, pride. And you understand the way out of the sin addiction, you can, if you can do those two things. If you understand the thing about blaming and you understand the thing about the fact that this is how Satan comes at you from these three areas, you will figure out a way to get out of your temptation addiction. No more blaming. I am taking responsibility for my behavior, my words, my thoughts. Second, I understand I will be tempted in one of these three ways. My eyes, my appetite, my pride. And then most important, that one phrase, God is faithful. He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. You know, 2017 is it's going to be a great year for all of you, all of us. It's going to be great if you understand these things. Life is going to change. Life will change around you, but sin never changes. Satan never does anything new. He cannot create. He has no power to create. He can only copy. He can only mimic. He can only deceive. But it's always going to be using the same three things in your life all the time. Same old traps, same old temptations, same old behaviors, Old things coming back to haunt you and draw you down. Same things. We break free from all of this when we turn our eyes on God and we begin to live in the light of God. We confess our sins and receive forgiveness and then receive from God through the Holy Spirit the power to overcome. All of those things are available to us, but that's the only solution to the problem. It's a great solution. It works 100% of the time, but there's only one. And it's through him. So let's break free from that resolution cycle. You don't need to worry about resolutions. Satan laughs at our revolution, re revolution, resolutions. He laughs at that stuff. Because he knows there's no weight in it. The real freedom, the real power comes when I turn my eyes on Jesus Christ. And he begins to set me free. And so God stands today ready to forgive you. And enable you to live a victorious life. But he wants you to stop the blame game. And stop opening up to the same old tricks again and again. Instead, 
receive God's eyesight today and his power to break free. And this, this will make 2017 your best year yet. Let's pray. We love you, Lord God, and we thank you for providing a way out. We thank you, God, that you love us so much that you've given us everything we need in Jesus Christ and through the power of your spirit so that we can break free from these old traps and, Lord, begin to live life in a victorious way that honors you and brings peace of mind to us and blessing to those that we love. And so, God, help us to do that in this year, to look constantly to you, to be aware of the enemy's tricks out there, and not to blame anyone else, but to learn to take responsibility for our actions. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your patience, your great love, your everlasting mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.